I'm David Ferrier. I'm Steve Merchant. We are a couple of radio presenters in Australia talking about the greatest shambles of a radio show in the history of broadcast, The Ricky Gervais Show on XFM London in the early 2000s. The radio show that introduced Carl Pilkington to the public. We're recapping the show week by week. I'm a longtime fan and this is Zach's first time. Today's show, Series 1, Episode 6, a.k.a. Quizmaster Carl, first broadcast 15th of December, 2001. Steve Merchant, a.k.a. Zach Manda, overall thoughts? Uh, it was an interesting episode, wasn't it? it uh, we, we bridge two things here. Simultaneously, it reminded me of how similar a time we are in now. And then at the same time, what a different time we're in. Uh, how so similar? They're talking about bird flu. They're a couple of months off um, 9-11, this massive... You know, global affecting tragedy, similar in in some ways to COVID nineteen. Uh, bird flu also kind of similar to COVID nineteen in some ways. Uh, they're talking about people losing their jobs. They're talking about a recession. It feels very familiar. Uh, the ways that it feels like a wholly different generation, where some things that would certainly get you cancelled for now, possibly put in jail. Are you referring to when Jonathan Ross comes in with his penis out? That's what I'm referring to, yes. <laughs> I must have missed... When do they talk about bird flu? I started to panic that maybe we'd listen to different shows. Don't they... They briefly mention... in There's a bit where they do quick fire. Ricky solves the world's problems, basically. Where they say that they're not tackling... It's too trivial. And so, Stephen hits him up with a quick fire uh, quiz oh, on how... Very he, end. Yeah, how he would solve all the things. And there's one about... Bird flu, I believe. That's I recall that. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, that you, you're definitely correct. Uh, I had a thought while listening to this, and it sort of it, it relates to all the shows. That if Ricky and Steve were more organised for their show, do you think Carl would have had the opportunity to become Carl? Because no, because they throw to him because of their own. When they've run out of things to say. When they've run out of things. This is the first one where it seems like he was actually a part of the plan. Because they let him do a quiz. They let him, you know, uh, think up some questions. Where it feels like that there was some... This had been discussed beforehand. Uh, so, so he, possibly this was the first time during the week where they said, like... Or, you know, beforehand, they said, like, hey, let's uh, actually choose to get Carl involved. Yeah, this is something that Carl can be involved in. Do you think, because Collective Now and your show had a lot of written comedy bits and you did a lot of planning went into it, do you think if the next Carl Pilkington or a Carl Pil Pilkington type worked on the show that you would have spotted it and there would have been the, the space to for something like that to happen? Because I feel like at any other radio show... Carl, and he did work on other radio shows, he would have just played mm. his role and the show would have been the show. Yeah, the, the, listening to the show, it's very casual and disjointed and, you know, it just seems like that there's space in it for things to happen. With radio shows that happen nine to, you know, like during the working week, five days a week, sometimes they're so produced that there's not moments for natural things to happen. You know, it's so planned out. 
you can even hear that it's planned out that, that this person's going to speak then and then they're going to share this opinion. I'm going to share my opinion. Oh, my co-host. Wow, they're sharing the opposite opinion. This definitely hasn't been discussed beforehand. Whereas there's none of this. Okay, we that- have different opinions. Let's throw it out to the phones. <laughs> Come on, callers, get involved. What's out? your opinion? Uh, yeah. And so they, they, there's a casualness to this show that you're right. It, it, it's, uh, it's a breeding ground for Carl-like organisms that they can come out of the soil <laughs> in this perfect weather where, you know, the atmosphere is just right for Carl to thrive. Whereas, yeah, you're right. In The other shows are kind of deserts. You, you know, th- this originality cannot survive. But this show is a nice Carl Pilkington Petri dish. That's right. <laughs> and that's kind of what it is, isn't it? It's like, it's... it's uh, it's, it's Ricky and Steve as scientists looking through the glass and they're going, hang on, we've discovered yeah. something here. What is this what growing? What if we add this stimulus? What yes. happens if we offer this little tidbit and see what we get back? Uh, emails, carlypilkboyspod at gmail.com. There's just one I'm going to read out. Hello, Australians. My name is Eddie. I started listening to the Ricky Gervais XFM shows back in 2011 in my first year of high school, which Brits call college. My command of English was a little shaky as I had immigrated to England from Transylvania with my parents only a few years prior. By shaky, I mean that I sounded like Dracula and my phrasing was awkward. I stumbled upon the XFM shows and after doing so fell in love with them to the point that I'd have it on in the background no matter what I was doing for years after this. But doing this, my spoken English improved and I mastered the vernacular of England. It also helped me understand British humour which helped me better integrate with the locals. Years later, I have passed the citizenship test and become British, graduated uni and worked as an English teacher in China for years. I have even skived a day of uni to meet Carl Pilkington at one of his book signings in Manchester, where I had a short but funny conversation with him about the XFM shows. I still come back every now and again and listen to these classic shows, which never cease to put me in a great mood, even after having listened to each one 15 times or so. I'm only on episode three of your podcast, but I'm enjoying the gentle song of your Australian accents. (laughs) It's also interesting to hear the inside of two radio prof- uh, radio workers about the series. Keep going, C-words, Eddie. Uh, Eddie, thank you very much for your email. Zach, our, our accents have come up again, mm. which I, I guess is unsurprising that I've looked at the uh, analytics. A lot of the listeners of this show are coming from the UK, which I guess can be expected. I'm not sure. I've wondered this before. We on my old radio show, we were in the middle of the night, and we asked some. We did this uh, topic once about whether anyone was listening overseas, and it was surprising to me how many people were listening overseas. You know, from all these different places, because that's the idea: is it's the middle of the night in Australia, it's around the world. Um, it could be the middle of the day. It could be your lunchtime. It could be drive time. It could be breakfast time, and uh, we had similar feedback. And I was amazed at how many people use the radio. But it makes perfect sense to learn a language because compared to like, you know, I guess like a learn to uh, learn English tape, you're not learning the things like humor. You're not learning the things like uh, casual conversation. Um, So it is amazing how often these things come up and, you know, even hearing accents and stuff like that. 
Um, we've had people, I had people say like that they learn a lot about Australian culture through our show. So, you know, I'm sure that makes a lot of sense to me that like this XFM show helped Eddie um, fit into the English society or understand what everyone was talking about. The, the song of your Australian accents is, is nice compared to the last one on the last episode, the, the wine. wine. But uh, it, do you, what cra- do you think of your accent? Do you think you have a strong accent? N- no, actually, I, I, I went on exchange to France in the, my first year out of high school. Never been overseas before. Didn't speak French. Don't know why I thought it was a good idea. But um, after that, I spent 10 days in London, in England with some family friends before coming home. And it was an old friend of my dad's. And he said, you don't have a very strong Australian accent. And at the time, I was sort of was taken aback by that. And I and my initial reaction was like, don't like, yes, I do. What are you talking? I'm Australian. I'm, I was born and raised. I've got convict ancestry. How dare you say that I don't have a strong Australian accent? But I realized afterwards that it was because I'd spent six months trying to communicate with people who didn't have English as a first language. So... So I was speaking like a learned to speak English tape and going, where is the toilet? And overpronunciating, which I feel like I'm doing on this show right now as well. Uh, mm. But yeah, I, I don't really have a broad Australian accent. That's the other thing about Australia so. is we don't really have regional accents at all. There are minor details, but it's more reflective of, of like a socioeconomic thing, if anything. You know, I'm just thinking between if you went to a private school in Sydney or if you sound very bogan. In the UK, you can uh, pick, people can pick like uh, blocks basically, can't they? Yeah, different areas of London have historically had. And one of the great ones, uh, uh, Jonathan Ross is a real East End, uh, or I might be wrong, I'm pretty sure it's an East End London accent. Yeah, so it's far more tightly packed. But that just comes with the territory of a country which is... Hundreds of years old. The house that I stayed in in London was built before Australia was settled by Europeans. So that's how old that was. But um, how funny the idea of someone learning English from Carl English, quite good Pilkington, which is a reference I don't think we've gotten to yet. But (laughs) the idea that you learn English from Ricky or Carl is hilarious. You might pick up some Carlisms. That maybe you think yeah. you are settling into uh, the community by using, but everyone might kind of stare at you weirdly. All right. What? <laughs> um, and the other thing I want to note is how strange it must be for, and how unsettling it must be for Ricky, Steve, and Carl. He said, Eddie said that he met Carl briefly at a book signing to do a radio show, which like radio is transient. It's meant to just happen in the moment and then never come back again. And then to have things quoted back to you from a radio show you did years ago, that must be weird and a little scary because you would revisit everything. You're like, did I ever say anything really bad? And Carl, in this run of shows, there's there's a moment in a, in the next couple of episodes, he says something so truly racist <laughs> that I'm excited for you to hear it, frankly. But... You never do. Like, it's a radio show. It's not meant to come back to haunt you necessarily, particularly in the Well, I wonder even at... In these times, I wonder if they even knew it was being recorded. Did they record it on purpose? No. Who recorded it? it, So clearly it was a fan who... Because that's in the first episode. It's not the first episode. 
It's a fan who yeah, heard true. them and was like, these are great. I'm going to start recording these. There'd be very few radio shows 20 years on that people were still listening to. I think this would be one of a handful. I can imagine Howard Stern in New York. I know that he even has like a channel, I think, that just plays old wow. content from over the years. Um, but I would think there were very few radio shows in the world that people were listening to 20 years There's on. There's also another, like, there were rivals of of Howard Stern, never as successful, but Opie and Anthony, they had a run where they would have yeah. just the best comedians around New York and they would just, the comedians would come on the show and just hang out for hours and there's just some really great shows online of that. Australian, it would get this, would be the one that uh, the Tony Martin radio show True. get this, people still listen to, me being one of them. But otherwise, if there are any, if you listening right now, there's like old radio shows that you still listen to and you reckon we might enjoy, send us an email, carlypilkboyspod at gmail.com. Do, uh, do you have any others? Because not only, uh, I've never, I've listened to get this, um, it, See, the thing with this one is because of its casualness, you can make sense of it. Some of the ones that are really sketch-based and, and stuff like that, sometimes I don't really understand what's going on because you sometimes you don't hear the whole setup or, you know, if you're doing a sketch where you're referencing something in society... Uh, at the time, for example, in this one, uh, Stephen Merchant does a bit about gift cards... And it kind of feels a little dated. It's a now. bit hack, <laughs> but I feel, yeah, like that's the take that I do remember people having in the early two thousands. Um, you know, it's money that you can't use everywhere. It's kind of a little bit airplane food, you know. Um, but at the time, I do remember a lot of comedians doing that type of material, and so, you know, I can kind of remember what that was like at the time but like when it's sketch based or like parody songs i find it harder to re-listen to so maybe that's why this show survives so much because of its casual nature um you can kind of get a grasp of what's going mm. on and it's very easy to listen to you don't have to like you can if you want just have it on in the background and drift in and out and yeah. There's not some great premise that, that's been set up. If any, the closest is that they've had this in this episode, they have the quiz going on across multiple breaks. Let's do the uh, UK News of the Day segment, 15th of December 2001. Uh, it's a radio related one. Bong DJ rapped over Santa Lie. A leading commercial radio station was forced to apologise after a disc jockey claimed live on air that Father Christmas did not exist. It emerged today. Paul mm. Conroy, a DJ with Bristol-based station Galaxy 101, opened his show with the words, Kids, Santa Claus doesn't exist. Your parents made it up. Before going on to tell his listeners that the Tooth Fairy was also fiction. His remarks prompted a flood of complaints, including one from a mother who had been listening to the radio in her car while taking her four-year-old to visit Father Christmas at Bristol's Broadmead Shopping Centre. What makes me sad about this is that reminds me just so much of a time, and we see these types of people on social media now, that type of, like, shock jock. That doesn't really exist anymore, but what does exist is that version of a prankster on TikTok or on Instagram or whatever, where they're going to go and they're going to trip over in front of people and it's going to be crazy. Um, 
so but it does it why um i feel uh an affinity with it is because i'm like oh back when radio was relevant back when like no one would care now if you said that because no one cares no one cares about radio on the show that i anchor for there was some discussion about the tooth fairy and um one of the hosts said that oh well when made some reference to putting money under a daughter's pillow got a lot of complaints no, no one rocked up. You know, in this radio story, the the woman actually shows up at the radio station, uh, furious. But people still breakfast. Kids in cars. That's the saying in radio. Kids in cars. You got to be careful of kids in cars in breakfast radio and drive. So you can't talk about. It's weird that that's one of the hot button issues. You can't talk about I, well, sex. To me, I, yeah. Santa or the tooth fairy. The to me, I just see this person as like that was a very like even the fact they opened the show with it. So you would have had it was a time where radio would have been very competitive, where people listened to the radio and people were jockeying for time, jockeying for attention. This was how you got attention, and so it was a very planned effort, from my opinion. Yeah, that, that was like this is edgy. how we're going. This is a stunt. This is how yeah. we're going to get. We're going to get people to know who I am. And it's extremely difficult to do that on the radio today. In fact, I would say impossible. Whereas on TikTok, on YouTube, on Facebook, whatever, you could upload a video and a million people could see it in a day quite easily. That There's just, there's nothing, radio can't do that anymore. It's, it's just, its power has been sucked out of it. And like, I've been you know that's something i've learned in the last year after like joining tiktok and i'm like not only do these people not listen to the radio they don't know what the radio is i'm like this isn't an experience they have they don't that 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 is not where they're getting their news that's not where they're getting their entertainment um and it is extremely foreign to them and so this reminds me of a time where i'm like oh i'm quite fond of this story where I'm like, wow, that could, that was a big, that was a story in the paper. Yeah. yeah. That someone I, said Santa wasn't real. The only way I can imagine, and I might be wrong, is that, that younger people find radio, like, I mean, broadcast FM radio, is if they have a commute. So they drive to work. Mm. Because Spotify and podcasts is great. And that's probably what a lot of, 18 to 25, whatever the demographic breakdown is where no one is listening to radio. But if you get in the car and it's so it's so frictionless, another buzzword, uh, radio is so frictionless that if that you get in the car and you just turn it on and you can't be bothered to change the channel. That's the only way I can... I but can, when was uh, the last time you had a conversation with a friend and particularly not a radio friend? I was like, hey, did you hear this on the radio? Never. I, I oh, haven't had that conversation no, no, about, in 10 years. It would, have been, it would have been two or three years ago. It was a young woman around our age who yeah. was a big Fitzy and Whipper fan in Sydney who, who do yeah, right. breakfast on Nova in Sydney. I'm like, yeah, I'm part of the 6am crew. It's this special club that if you listen to the show oh, at 6am, really? I got this little key, key ring. Oh, that's and cool. it, it stuck in my mind because it was so unusual to hear. Well, I listened to this interview with Tina Fey the other day and they said, what would you do if, um, you know, you were starting again? You know, you're getting into the industry. You know, and she was on Saturday Night Live, obviously made 30 Rock, made a bunch of movies, like very mainstream like 30 Rock was on NBC, like uh, one of the big networks in America. Uh, so, well, SNL, I mean, it's an institution. And she said, wouldn't have done any of that. Wouldn't pursue any of that. She's like, I would just make videos on 
on an online platform and just do my own thing. And she's like, what? They were kind of talking about, uh, it was Sean Hayes as well, like from Will and Grace fame. And they were saying, what people don't realize is everyone who's, everyone on TikTok wants to be in the movies. Everyone who makes movies wants to be making videos online, doing their own thing where they're not accosted by, you know, a boss or they don't have a script or they're just their own, you know, they're coming up with their own stuff. And I was thinking, I'm kind of in you and I, our generation, we're kind of in the gulf between where we still look at like TVs and movies movies and and radio as like where the you know the influence is but the people a couple of years younger than me don't they that's like nothing to them they don't they don't strive to be on tv they strive to be and you see it with young people today they pretend to be i used to pretend to do a kitchen show you know like a cooking show you know when you used to make pikelets and whatever you pretend to talk to camera did you ever do that and um because that's what we'd watch in the afternoon. We'd come home from school and there's cooking shows on. So, we'd pretend, pretend we're on TV. Kids now, they say, like and subscribe. Smash that subscribe button when someone yeah, puts they, a camera they on They do them. the WAP dance and then say, like and subscribe. Yeah. So, they're pretending to be YouTubers. That's what they strive to be. And so, it's just like a changing of the guard. And I think we're caught between generations. I think it's a personality thing for me. I also like... The, I like working with people and I like the structure of a media company. That's why I sort of flinch a little bit at the, hey, everyone's got a camera in their pocket. Just you don't have to wait for permission. Go and um, make something on your own. I like working with people. I like collaborating and I like I, like, I want to walk before I can run. So that's mm-hmm. why I still kind of, I like working at the radio station well. because I like having the infrastructure around it. But then, you know, I get to also do this with you on the side. Uh, so, it's- that's right. Well, this is the most niche uh, re- uh, podcast that's ever existed, I think. Uh, you know, Officially. re-listening to a 20-year-old radio show. And I feel like that's a good example of where the internet is at the moment. Very niche, small, mm. passionate audiences instead of um, wide, apathetic audiences. Which is what was the situation when this guy said that uh, launched his show with the truth about Santa, mm. the expose, is because it was a wide, apathetic audience, you had to do something like that to get attention. Yeah. Yeah. But now every single niche is catered for and it's not, the world's not better. The world's not worse. It's just different. Uh, but we wouldn't be able to do this. But... but- I wish I had started a YouTube channel 10 years ago. That's for sure. I wish I had committed to weekly hey, your, uploads. Your TikTok's going well. Follow Zach, Zach Manda on TikTok. Uh, let's get to the recap, which I, I thought might be fun to name just for the radio uh, side of it. Call it the air check. Yeah. So we can... Let's air Do check. Do they call it that in an... Uh, in um, in England, I'm not sure. An air check is where the boss calls you in and oh, goes well, through all your content and listens to the show while you're sitting there watching them. And yeah, can and you be sit brutal. there and, and go. Well, they they're just coming up with notes for the sake of coming up with notes. And, There's um, a famous story in Australia about a radio boss who had a, a samurai sword on the wall. Do you know this one? <laughs> I think I've sort of heard it. And someone had a demo details, tape, though. like it. A tape they had recorded of themselves. You know, they, they were showing, giving them a tape. This was in the 90s or maybe even earlier. And um, they were giving them a tape of, like, this is my best stuff. And the boss's reaction was they took the samurai sword off the wall, put the tape on the desk and just, like, smashed it up. With disgust to show them 
I guess to show them how little they were and how little power they had and how much power the boss had and how much they were disgusted at the content. No idea if that's real, but that's one that's been passed around a number of times. That's what I was told about when I got in. It's like, your air check doesn't go badly until they get the samurai sword off the wall. It's a real rite of passage. <laughs> wow. Yeah. As soon as the good old lot, days. anyone puts samurai swords on the wall at an office, that's you got to put a call into HR. Yeah, I reckon there's some problems there. Yeah. <laughs> but mainly just, hello, HR. Yeah, they think it's cool to put samurai swords on the wall. We've got a problem. Series one, episode six. Let's do Okay, let's get to the air check. So the show starts itself. Um, the show kicks off with the half thought out idea to do a quiz where the listeners come up with the questions and the flaw of the concept reveals itself really quickly. And it's the type of thing that any other show, you do a little test run before you start the show. But Ricky, Carl and Steve just go, ah, we'll do it. We'll work it out as we go. But it's all the better for it because it's, the whole opening disagreement about James Bond and celery and water and Ricky just shouting, you said water, you said water, is hilarious. It's, and it wouldn't happen if it was more better planned out. Well, another thing that relies on the chemistry, you know, it's carried by the fact that they really do care about it. They're competitive. They want to win. Um, and then that's contrasted with uh, Carl's... Well, kind of Ricky's at this stage, but, you know, they're all kind of haven't really thought the idea out and they don't really have a very good way of explaining it. Steve gets worried halfway through because he's like, you haven't explained it very well and I know what it is. Uh, it becomes, it's like a very, which a lot of their segments are, they're kind of anti-segments. Like, it becomes an anti-competition. Like, uh, it's funny because it goes poorly. Do you, do you hear in that in that conversation... Ricky refers to, oh, we were having this argument, we were having this conversation at, at a pub about James Bond. It, it happens a lot in this show. They refer to like, oh, we were at the pub having a drink and having this conversation. Like they're, as much as like, like I wish I was, I, I, I'm so glad that I'm here to listen to their conversations on, on the radio. I mean, if I could have a genie grant me three wishes, one of them might be that like, I would love to hang out at the pub. With Ricky, Steve and Carl or Ricky and Jono or Johnny or one of his other mates that he refers to. Because I don't feel like... I feel like that's a that's a, an experience that I've missed out on is... Like, I went to the pub a lot when particularly, like, through my early 20s with friends. But it was never that we're just going to hang out and chat. It was always, let's get horribly drunk and... Uh, and get pizza on the way home. Yeah, no, I've never had the... And I think, is it... I know that going to the pub's a big part of Australian culture, but I feel like it's maybe even more a part of the UK culture where you banter at the pub kind of thing amongst yeah, amongst yeah. your group. Yeah, when it's not like a... I feel like I now go to the pub if it's a long time catch up with someone I haven't seen in a while or there's an event or there's just some particular drinking focused reason for it rather than like, let's just go have a chat at the pub. It doesn't happen enough. Zach, we're in the same city. Why don't we do that? We go surfing. Well, that's a much more Australian, you know, making the most of the uh, climate we're in. Yeah. It's a far more healthy, wealthy and wise decision to make. It's catch up while we're just and talk shit about radio when we're floating out in the water half wondering if a shark's gonna pop up 
This um, one time we were surfing drinking. and uh, it was one of the first times we met each other. Remember when that dolphin came up and you Man, like totally so shit cool. your pants? It was cool in retrospect, but remember when it was like coming towards us? Like I saw fear in your eyes. Like I like well, because you because you didn't say, "Oh, look a dolphin." You went, "Hang on, I saw a fin." <laughs> it was, and like- you're far more experienced in the area than I was. And it seemed it was a bit of it just felt a bit sharky around there. A six foot uh, dolphin. But then we saw, yeah, jumped sorry? kind of like a six foot dolphin was it kind ju- of ten it- meters away from us. But you remember it had its calf with it. They yeah. both jumped. Yeah, it was great. The that was, was amazing, and then was, and then a turtle popped up right in front of us. It, it was a magical it moment, out, and it turned out to be a yeah. Which you don't get, you don't get that no. many dolphins or turtles or sharks for that matter at the pub. So that's right, and you I know, we made the right choice. It was um, a moment that went from fear to beauty very quickly. Which those two things aren't closely linked usually. Well, the tension relief of it not being a man-eating shark. Perhaps even enhanced it even more, made it more beautiful. Um, try surfing, everyone. It's good for you. Hey, uh, the part of the the great what's so enjoyable about the debacle that is this quiz is the way Carl asks the questions, including the two iconic "What sort?" What? Nope. And the one which just leaves me gasping for air is. Where, what, <laughs> when he even gets the first word wrong. Oh, the uh, And he does, uh, he descends into, and Ricky makes fun of the fact that they're now kind of subjective questions. He says, what's the next question going to be? What's your favorite color? <laughs> or, or what's the best color? Or something along those lines. Yeah, What what is my favorite chair? It was my favorite chair. And I think that's a better quiz. I love that idea. A subjective quiz. Where the subjective who, quiz. who can get the closest to it, and the and that's not as bad. A, as the quiz master, you're you have the final ruling, and you're just very definitive. Sure, has that been done before? Probably. If not, uh, I am about to start a new radio show. Right, Zach. Down. May I steal that idea? That's all. That's yours. The subjective you quiz. We did. Yes. I did a few variations similar. I used to do one called trick question. Where they were, mm. you know, no matter what answer, it was always the other one. You know, so, like, they, they were all questions that could have two answers and the person, it was impossible to get right because it was Is always it, the a, other there's one. A ga- there's a gag on 30 Rock. Uh, a homonym. They come, that, homonym. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nope, it's the other one. Yeah, no, it was um, pointed out that it was quite similar to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, by the uh, It's Been Done Police. Uh, <laughs> God, the... We're living in an it's been done police in any state, if you ask me. Um, the And, of course, Pointless is also in the same territory where it's, like, the least common answer. But it's still correct. Uh, moving on. Jonathan Ross, the part which you mentioned would get... No, not Jonathan. Wait, yeah, Jonathan Ross. When he comes in with his penis out, when they're live on air... So, I've been trying to figure out whether they were winding him up by saying that and he just went on with the joke or whether it actually happened. And where I'm at at the moment is that it actually happened because the first instance Ricky says, he just says, no one's going to believe that just happened. Oh, God, I don't believe that. Oh, that's pathetic. I do not believe that. 
That's know. absolutely pathetic. Now, they won't believe this, will they? No. Right, no. if I say that Jonathan <laughs> Ross just got his massive member out, and he is a big lad... That's the first thing you hear, that there was something going on. And that's not really how you'd bring it up if you were, if you were stitching someone up. Because sometimes on the radio, because as a person who's announcing, you know that the audience can't see you. So sometimes you'll be like, you could do that. You could go, Dave, mate, you know, stop making that offensive well, yeah. gesture. Um, I've and got my penis out right now. <laughs> Theatre of the mind. No one would know. <laughs> and so there was a part of me that thought, like, are they winding him up? And then he comes in and he's just riffing with it, like going along with the joke. But I don't think so, because it, it, it's not the way that you would raise that joke. What do you think? Did this actually happen? No, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Jonathan Ross had a bit of form in this area. Did he? Around, around friends, <laughs> around people that... Are they as friends? Far as I, it I'm seems aware. like that was the first time Steve met him. Well, <laughs> uh, so, around... Uh, for, around what I would imagine he'd expect would be a, a receptive audience to that sort of joke. See, I don't know but much also, about Jonathan Ross, but that surprises me because I've only ever seen him, like, host shows in a way where he's really dressed really dapper and stuff like that. Uh, I used to listen to... Yeah, I used to listen to his BBC Two radio... Like, one of the early podcasts I used to listen to was his um, Radio Two show, which was, like, a weekly show because he used to have really good interviews. And I do... I have found... Um, I do find him pretty funny... But also, don't want to blow your mind here, but it will come up at some point. Ricky Gervais had a habit of doing that as well. Yeah, you mentioned that. Steve in the makes last reference episode. to like to going to going over to Ricky's house and Ricky answering the door with like his testicles hanging out of his shorts. So, <laughs> which is just an of the time. Well, I was amazed. I was amazed listening to this. I just thought, this is at two o'clock in the afternoon on the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. Like, the. If you tried that now at 2.05, you'd be handing in your pass and being escorted out by security. And of course, that did happen to Jonathan Ross. The infamous uh, voicemail he left um, with Jonathan, I'm sorry, with Russell Brand. Uh, the, the, with the uh, the guy from Faulty Towers, uh, and they went on and on about how Russell Brand had slept with his granddaughter in real, really quite graphic detail. It was all meant to be a big joke, but it was it went on for a long time. And he, Wait, hang and he on, lost this was a bit he that. did on air, and then he lost his job over it. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, any yeah, of yeah. This. They, they they called him. They called this guy live on air, and then it went to his voicemail, and then he and um, Russell Brand left a. a three or four minute uh, message, which devolved into Russell Brand had sex with your granddaughter. And then they riff on that some more and Russell Brand's trying to like shut it down. But then it's egging Jonathan on. And um, yeah, it, uh, he got sacked for that. It was, it was a bit of a controversy mm-hmm. when it happened in well, like 2011. Okay. Well, did, well yeah. we're, we're seeing kind of the... Uh... The birth of that, I guess, in this episode. <laughs> I can imagine with what happened in this episode, I can imagine that happening. And did you hear when, when he said, well, that's just one of my cocks. And they they go, oh, you can't say that. You can't say that here. No, you, can, no, you can't. And they move on. So clearly they've been <laughs> reprimanded. That, that The complaint has been lodged and they've been told. <laughs> no it's more. funny also to hear Ricky, not the wild one. Yeah. The one reining someone in. Yeah. You're like, wow, that wouldn't happen these days either. 
You alluded to it already, but Steve is clearly insecure about Ricky's friendship with Jonathan, which <laughs> which is real. They like they were great mates. I don't know if you've seen. Why would you have? You're not as mental a fan as as me. But it's on YouTube when Ricky Gervais around this time was on Jonathan Ross's talk show, and Jonathan Ross gives him a pet cat, like a kitten. Which, uh, Ollie, which lived for, right. it only passed away like a year or two ago. So, so their friendship was hit this level where he's giving him pet cats really quickly. Um, and they will talk, it does come up la- later in this run of shows. Possibly because Stephen played less of a role on The Office. And maybe that's why he's kind of second fiddle. Because um, I, assumably, they came up with The Office together. I'm not sure exactly what the breakdown of, you know, labor oh, was around We could go that. into that, but it, it feels like a long, long tangent. Yeah, right. But basically, we'll get there later. basically, Ricky had the character called Creepy Boss, didn't have a name. Yeah. And right. Steve was doing something at the BBC, this, this course, right. and they made this short with this character creepy right. boss and then went hey there's this is a good idea let's do something with it. well maybe because ricky was you know the main character and it's a lot around that character maybe he was accepted more immediately into the comedy scene oh clearly it, it does yeah. seem like steve is kind of wanting to be in like hey invite me to the shows invite me to the hangouts i'm a part of this too yeah <laughs> and especially what there's a 15 year age difference or something like that oh yeah so he is like the little brother uh how funny is it that in in the room of these three great comedy minds and TV personalities that, for me, Carl gets the funniest moment in the whole time that Jonathan is in the room when he... That's my favourite moment in the whole podcast. Yeah, when he asks him the Pope question and then he's forgotten to write the answer down. What semi-precious stone does the Pope wear? That is easy. Go on. Topaz. Is that the right answer? I don't know, I might have wrote it down. Like, I'm really sorry, Jonathan. So Jonathan leaves and because he came in to hand off the tickets to the comedy awards, which is part of the magic of these epi- these shows is the time in their careers when these shows were happening. Mm. So it was like after the first series of The Office, they hadn't made the second series yet. They are in the glow of that. And it's awards season. So they're getting invited to all, like, their star is, particularly Ricky's star, is rapidly rising. So it's so It's the most exciting time of any career. And you can hear when they talk to a caller, they talk to a caller later, and the call is obviously, uh, they're they're big enough that they're this comedy sensation, but they're small enough that they're doing this small radio show on a Saturday afternoon. So the people listening know about The Office. The caller says, you know, I love the show, guys. You should be working on the second season of The Office. And the caller reassures them that they're they're a shoe-in for the award. They've never heard the phrase shoe-in, which is a (laughs) surprise to me. And um, I just thought, what a time. You know, you think about, do you ever think about this? Do you ever think about to see a band when they're just cracking it? You you, you see a famous band, um, you know, like, a you know, those uh, Foo Fighters, Nirvana, uh, oh, it, ACDC going back a while. You know, someone like that. And you go, you've just, you see them while they're still in a pretty small venue, but they've just released an album that's going crazy and... 
It's never the same again. That moment is the peak. It's just before you reach your peak because as you discussed before with your uh, thoughts about Ricky, it's never as exciting as that first time and it's, you can, it's never the same the second time around. You can do another series that's good. It can be great. Your next album can be great, but it's never as exciting as that time where it's just happening. If Oasis had a radio show around the time their first album came out, well, their first couple of albums. Yeah. So it would have been amazing. It, yeah. Well, they even... I think they reference that. Doesn't Steve say in this um, this episode he keeps talking about how he saw Oasis just before they broke? Or yeah. while they were yeah, still yeah. small? Yeah. He does. Yeah. Um, next up, they talk about the Christmas gift card from work. They got a £25 gift card. Carl got one, £150. How great is that? Uh, that's the second best joke in this episode is Carl Pilkington, when they're complaining about the gift card, he goes, from a guy who usually gets a spade for Christmas, I thought you'd be a little more grateful. <laughs> it's just like, it's just a perfectly delivered bird. But uh, the, I remember the first uh, Christmas I was working in radio, because we, we were a national show, we weren't a part of the local. It's kind of like these guys. You know, they're not the guys who are there during the week. So, you, there's a bit of a miscommunication. There's a disconnection to the rest of the team because they just come in on the weekends. We used to go late at night. And so, we weren't a part of the local team, you know, of the building that we were going into. And we were going national and it was one of the, it was the only show at the time going national from that station. So, we were like a part of this thing, but not. And so, I remember them handing out these awesome Christmas presents to all the staff and them coming to us and being like, technically speaking, you guys aren't a part of the local team, so you don't have a gift. And we're like, what? It was like something that was like a big issue at the time because we really felt like we weren't being included. And then the next year we got some type of like gift box, you know, like, you know, the classic thing, some nuts, uh, some chips, uh, some chocolates. So you're, but you're coming in, your show was on late. So presumably you're coming in after hours, right? Yeah. So who, who communicated? It was that? like at a, it was at like some Christmas event. I oh, forget what it was, but I just remember everyone getting one everyone and then getting, getting to us, and then them feeling and they're being like, "Oh, to. we don't have any, we don't have any for you." Because and it was like it was like as if like we were getting in trouble. It was like you're not a part of the local team, and we're like, okay, well you don't have to rub like yeah, you don't have you to don't go have out to of your way salt into the wound <laughs> to exclu- to point out the exclusion. Yeah, that's funny. Crazy. I, so I'm in my. My my day job at the radio station. I'm actually leaving breakfast and moving to doing a national night show. And that is one thing I have thought and I've raised and I've already cleared up is that I won't be part. There is no national team that you no have meetings and particularly with or- because you're the we're doing it from a city that's not one of the biggest cities. Yeah, we're doing it from. Brisbane, so Brisbane. Like it's, it's and not so, Sydney or Melbourne. Yeah, mate. So, yeah. It's very isolating. That's what you're. That's what you're about to move into. Great, can't wait. But but so I've already cleared up with the team with the Triple M team that um I'm gonna still be connected to the product team here, mainly because like when the Christmas party comes around, I want to make sure I get an invite because it was really fun I, last year. We were a um I did a national show for three years, uh, like our posters. Posters in the foyer, you know, of all the shows that are on. They have big posters. They've got lights shining on them. And in the third year, I walked into the building one day and I forgot my pass. So I had to go to the receptionist to ask for a pass. And they asked me if I worked there. 
And I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, 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 yeah. I, I, there's there's probably six people in a building of a hundred who were on air, which is, by the way, isn't that radio's product? The, mm. the what's on air? You'd think people would be across what was happening on the station. They're like, hey, do you do you actually work here? And I was like, yeah, yeah. Like, see, I'm on that poster. See that poster? Mm, mm. <laughs> and so but, but there I'm was, assuming was, she the she was quite young. This uh, yeah, relatively. Maybe she didn't listen to the radio. But it was just one of those things where, like, you know, you want to feel a part of the team. Yeah. And uh, we were the just culture, like these, uh, the, these the goofballs or these... We were these goofballs or these uh, anomalies who were there in the middle of the night. And I'm like, I just want to be a part of the team. Just yeah. put, I just want to be a part of the gang. Yeah. Well, I mean, you had a co-host. I, I'm, I'm doing this new thing solo. So, oh, man, this isolation is going to be fun. So I relate to uh, Ricky and Steve getting treated as lesser because they were outside the normal hours. Yeah, yeah, because they're not front of mind, easy to overlook. So the, you you mentioned the Canadian guy, the the winner of the quiz. So this is the first time they make the mistake, in my opinion, of getting a caller on the line. Don't you feel the whole tone shift? And what makes the show so fun is not there in the, in in during the length of that phone. Well, what happens if you're doing an anti-show and you're doing self-deprecating? It always becomes an issue with callers for because it, either way it goes, it's bad. So they start piling shit on you. That doesn't feel good, and that doesn't work. You can't be self-deprecating when someone else is deprecating you. So when someone comes on and goes, "This show's a shambles." It's not the same funniness. It's only funny when the hosts do it. Now, this guy does the opposite, which is kind of breaking the fourth wall. He says, you guys are so funny. You're so good. But the whole premise of the show is that they're not good. That's the the idea is that the show is a shamble. And so if you have someone come on and say how funny it is, it breaks that illusion that because obviously they know that they're professional comedians. They have this. They have this. Uh, you know, this show that's uh, breaking records around the world. It's becoming world famous that they've just made. So, do they truly believe that their show is crap? No. It's just. It's a. I think if they really thought about it, and if they were really pushed, they'd go, "No, we're doing that on purpose." That's the gag: is that the show falls apart and it's not very good. Um, and it's an easy, like, sometimes it genuinely does that. But also sometimes, like, Ricky's film review, it was designed to do that. To that, I would say that the 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 guy does a good job of playing along and, and riffing with them. But there's just this awkwardness and this this chemistry which evaporates, which just makes it, like, a little bit just, I don't know, just hold my nose until it's over. They did a good um, job. I thought they what they did was funny. They kind of went yeah, into yeah. like a, it, uh, a DJ voice, and I thought that was really funny. But you can't do that every time. You know, you can do that no. once with a caller, but that you can't you can't do that every call. And so I think they realize, yeah, no call. And, and it, it, there's in the future when they try out new games with live callers, it's it's way worse. So in the scheme of occasions when they have callers, that was one of the better ones. This is um, like a it's an issue that happens with radio shows sometimes. So they've built this anti-show which works on the weekend. Would that work 
five days a week? I don't know. Like I've seen no. shows here in Australia where it's built on people being the relatable person who lives in a share house and they have the experiences that we all have, but they become rich and famous and they have to pretend that they're not driving an Audi. They have to pretend that they haven't moved into a bigger house because their whole thing is how relatable they are. And I, I feel like if these guys were to stick in radio, they'd find a similar thing. It's like on the weekend, it works great. Could you listen to that driving to work every day? I don't know. Do you know who I think has nailed that transition? Um, this is a very Australian reference, so apologies if, if it doesn't connect, is Dave Hughes. So he went from doing jokes about being on the dole and sitting around smoking weed all day to being one of the most successful comedians and TV and radio presenters in the country. But now he still does the same sort of... There's still the same energy to it, but now it's that he bought a house from the TV show The Block and everyone's calling him an idiot because he bought this $4 million house and uh, it was a bad investment. And Hughesy needs his dividends. (laughs) (laughs) No, Hughesy needs his yield was uh, was the line. So, um, yeah, but that's, that's, we'll save that discussion for our Dave Hughes podcast. Um, Next, Ricky does his song "Don't Cry It's Christmas," which I don't know if it's the one that you listened to, but he, but it was cut out of the one I listened to. I'm listening on the Man Moth YouTube channel. There was like a, a line, and I'm like, yeah, is this so, a funny song. I couldn't figure out. It seemed like, was that is it a funny song or is it a real? Oh yeah, song? yeah, yeah, yeah. It, oh, okay. It's a it's a it's a satirical send up. Yeah, it's a send up that it's it's um a sincere song singing to a dying child, but then there's just very it's in this very soothing, soft, kind delivery, but there's lines in there which are very cruel, and then it ends with um, "Don't cry, it's Christmas," and it's uh, and crying is a little gay is the last joke. Um, so it's it's a it's yeah no it's it's tongue in cheek, and it and it's it's something he's done before. He does it on the very early XFM shows before Carl joins the show, and then it comes up at least another time, and then he does it as David Brent in the David Brent Life on the Road movie as one of his songs. Really? So that song spanned 20 years of being used at different times. And so it wasn't a recording they did for this episode? That was something he already had? It was already in the can. It it was... They might have re-recorded it, but he's done that exact joke of, oh, I'm just about to head down to the... Right. The um the the children's hospital to you know just it's Christmas I want to here's because the when, song I'm going to sing when the song's cut out and they set obviously they're setting it up as if it's a serious song <laughs> I was just like did he do just in the middle of this comedy show I'm like has he done a serious Christmas song <laughs> no and because I thought maybe that was like an English thing I'm like maybe they do get really sincere around Christmas <laughs> and what the, you thought it was the hey guys we've had a few laughs today but <laughs> yes. all jokes aside let's Let's spare a moment a for the song. I was like, I was yeah, like maybe you'd be roasted for doing that in Australia. But I'm like, maybe in, in England it's just accepted that, you know, a comedian will sing a sincere song at Christmas. <laughs> no, it, uh, it's a joke. And it is, it's, it's, it's out there if you, um, if you want to hear it. But, like, it's not essential. Uh, Steve and Ricky do, towards the end of the show, did you notice that Ricky and Steve, they slip into a more rehearsed, um, bit. Yeah, about, I liked it. I thought it was really good. Yeah. So, it, which is the bit you mentioned at the start of the show. 
And there's a few, lot of things in there. Again, just my obsessive knowledge. There's a lot of bits in there, like about the Falklands War, about World War One poetry, which then was in Ricky's stand-up show, Politics. Mm. So again, the trend of using bits or trying out bits or giving them a run, like which he then uses again in in, in uh, different forms, which like doesn't bother me at all. In fact, like when I notice it, I kind of get a kick out of it because. They were doing a Saturday afternoon radio show. It wasn't meant to be the definitive, like, nothing can be repeated. And I'm a supporter of in radio, if you've got a good bit, reel it out every now and then for people I, who didn't hear it the first time. I love also, and this is a great way into any type of bit, I love the fake, we've been, uh, you set up a fake feedback that you've got. And you're going to retort the fake feedback. So, we've been told that our show's too trivial. So, we better tackle mm. some big issues. I just love that setup. <laughs> I think it's really... Yeah. It's, it's effective. It's funny. It's good. Great premise. Uh, Ricky drops the film review segment. It didn't last for that long. Um, and then the show ends. Carl's going on holiday. And it ends with another occasion of Steve just trying to touch Carl. And well, trying to be affectionate. Now to generally touching. Just touching. Just touching. And that's it. Season one, episode six. That's, uh, what, a, what a ride. Uh, I do have a key phrase this week. What is it? Uh, the key phrases are the important phrases in the development of Ricky, Steve and Carl's relationship. I'm just charting them so you can sort of navigate when these like important moments in, their, in the development of their relationship happen. It's when Steve says uh, about the quiz debacle. I'll tell you what's letting us down. Him. I know. KP the P-Man. When he was just he was just doing the press buttons and it was cool. Now we let him on the air because we thought it was funny. We quite like him. He's digging a grave for us. Yeah, it was great. I felt like that they let him in and they realised they let him in too much. They've let him into yeah. the house and he's become too comfortable. And now yeah, they can't get the dog off the couch. Only according to Steve. Ricky has... <laughs> Ricky has... Yeah, in well, full Steve's support jealous. Of it. Steve's jealous. He's seen. He's thinking. Oh no! In the second series of The Office, is if, is the weird character going to be Carl? He goes back off, Carl. That's my position. I'm the guy <laughs> who comes in and is weird. Although Carl just had to wait because he did have his moment in the extras. Is it series two or is it? No, it's the Christmas special. Have you seen that? I haven't seen it. Is he in it? Yeah, Carl. Carl is a uh, uh, autograph hunter, and Ricky's character That's comes great. out. And Carl's character has just been harassing the f- person in front of him. And he's like, do you want me to sign that? He's like, no, you're right, mate. Um, How do you think we did this podcast? I noted that we've just almost cracked an hour. I don't think we talked about the episode until about the 25-minute mark. Um, we had some technical difficulties in the middle where the, we, our internet dropped out. What mm. rating would you give this one? Well, so now you want to air check our air check. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting a little meta now. I do feel like we need your... One thing I'd also like to point out is that Dave's in his bathroom. We're recording this remotely. Brisbane has been in a lockdown. It's a long story, but... A COVID lockdown. Our vaccine vaccine rollout hasn't been too flash, guys. And so we're still doing some lockdowns. Yeah, England, I know you had 14 months of lockdown, but we've had four days recently, so spare a thought for us. Uh, But it is... Yeah, it's, it's the downside of having had such a great run of suppression early on i think we were we had lockdown for four weeks at the start and then it's basically been back to normal since then so it's been a dream run occasionally we've had to pop masks on when a case has popped up but 
because the rollout's been so slow because there's places that need it way more than us. Yeah, when, when and the attitude has been suppression from the government when we had, what, it was like three cases or something. They went, oh, okay, everyone locked down for four days. So, so, so Dave's in his bathroom. I've been in my study. It's been a bit of a, it's, it's where it's been a lockdown episode really, hasn't it? It's been you know, only appropriate for this radio show that, that the way we're recording it is a stuff together. Yeah. Uh, look, well, I think we've pulled through. We've, I, I, we've, we've, we've trucked through. Given the challenging the circumstances, night. I think I think we've done an all right job. Hey, what was your favourite bit of the episode, Carl? Uh, oh, probably Carl's burn of about the Christmas. From gifts. someone whose dad buys me a spade for Christmas, I thought you'd be grateful. <laughs> Carl and Stephen at the moment are my favourite dynamic because I feel like under the surface there is a little bit of uncomfortableness about where they stand with each other. And the way that it comes out is very funny. And Ricky occasionally provokes it, and it's a joy. Well, similar to you, mine is just a line, and actually it's less than that. It's two words. It's Carl's fantastic delivery of where, what... Um, so have you got maybe a final question, That's Carl? Still one on it. Okay, do it aside, and then we knock this on the head. Yeah. Go on, then. Where, what... <laughs> <laughs> Who? Have you not been practicing in all these? We've had ads, we've had music. <laughs> oh, where, what? It just has this timing which kills me. Uh, and it's meant to be his big moment of, I'm finally going to get this question right. <laughs> and he only gets where, what out. All right. Series one, episode six, done and dusted. The Carly Pilk Boys. Email the show, carlypilkboyspod at gmail.com. Follow Zach, Zach Manda. TikTok is your um, your platform of Main choice, isn't it, media. nowadays? I know you're on Instagram, but yeah, on yeah Instagram. your social media of choice. But TikTok's where it's all happening. That's where it's all That's, popping off for Zach. That's right. It's the uh, happening place to be. What does oh, yeah. Jonathan Russ call XFM? Where the, all the young people oh. are partying. <laughs> yeah, it's where all young ladies are hanging off your every word. All the, uh, all the people who don't listen to radio are listening to Zach on TikTok. Um, I'm David Ferrier, if you want to find me on Instagram. Or check out my cartoons. David Ferrier Cartoons, I think it's called. I'll show in uh, uh, next your latest week. flip book to some of my friends the other day, actually. You should go watch Dave's latest flip book. It's really funny. Ooh, yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Zach. Thanks for that plug. Next week, Series 1, Episode 7, which is the first show without Carl. He's still on holidays. (laughs) So, they have a fill-in. Another DJ, Claire Sturges, steps in for Carl. Uh, We also are going to hear about how the Comedy Awards went. And uh, it starts with a bit of the show before Ricky and Steve start. So you're going to hear what, you know, another mm. DJ on XFM at the time sounded like. And here's a little tease, a spoiler alert. He sounds like your everyday DJ. It sounds like, oh, that's what the DJs, radio DJs are supposed to sound like. And then Ricky and Steve come in. I'm excited. Can't wait. All right. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. I don't like moaning anyway, just... <laughs> <laughs>